Well, hello everyone and welcome to the Tree Church Online Bible Study. Thank you for taking the time to join us in our study of Deuteronomy. My name is Brandon Lightnicker and I am the pastor and director of discipleship here at the Tree. I sure hope you have enjoyed our walk through Deuteronomy so far and have learned some new insights about God's Word that you can begin to apply and grow in. And today I'm going to continue in our exploration of Deuteronomy, looking specifically at Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 32 through 49. Let me start by reading those scriptures and then we'll walk through it verse by verse together. Once again, we are looking at Deuteronomy 4, chapter 4, verses 32 through 49. For ask now of the days that are past, which were before you, since the day that God created man on the earth, and ask from one end of heaven to the other whether such a great thing as this has ever happened or was ever heard of. Did any people ever hear the voice of a God speaking out of the midst of of the fire as you have heard and still live? Or has any God ever attempted to go and take a nation for himself from the midst of another nation, by trials, by signs, by wonders, and by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, and by great deeds of terror, all of which the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes? To you it was shown, that you might know that the Lord is God, there is no other besides him. Out of heaven he let you hear his voice, that he might discipline you. And on earth he let you see his great fire, and you heard his words out of the midst of the fire. And because uh, he loved your fathers and chose their offspring after them, and brought you out of Egypt with his own presence by his great power, driving out before you nations greater and mightier, mightier than you, to bring you in to give you their land for an inheritance, as it is this day. Know therefore today, and lay it to your hearts, that the Lord is God in heaven and above and on earth beneath. There is no other. Therefore, you shall keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today, that it may go well with you and with your children after you, and that you may prolong your days in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for all time. Then Moses set apart three cities in the east beyond the Jordan, that the manslayer might flee there. Anyone who kills his neighbor unintentionally, without being in enmity with him in the past time, he may flee to one of these cities and save his life. Bezir in the wilderness on the tableland of the Reubenites, Ramoth and Gilead for the Gadites, and Golan and Bashan for the Manassites. This is the law that Moses set before the people of Israel. These are the testimonies, the statutes, and the rules which Moses spoke to the people of Israel when they came out of Egypt, beyond the Jordan in the valley opposite of Beth Peor, in the land of Shehan, the king of the Amorites, who lived in Heshbon whom Moses, the people of Israel, defeated when they came out of Egypt. And they took possession of his land and the land of Og, the king of Bashan, the two kings of the Amorites, who lived to the east of beyond the Jordan, from Aor, which is on the edge of the valley of Arnon, as far as the Mount Shirion, that is Hermon. Together all the Arabah on the east side of Jordan, as far as the Sea of Arabah, under the slopes of Pisgah. 
I want to kind of share quickly before we jump into the scriptures, kind of a personal illustration that I think will kind of set the tone for the remainder of the scriptures that we're going to be looking at. And as of now, I am a parent of two kiddos, and these kiddos need constant reminders. As we all do, I know, even as adults, we are in constant need of reminders. So my wife and I have kind of done this thing, I'm sure, as many parents before us, and maybe even our parents did with us, is that every time we visit somewhere, we kind of sit them down and we talk with them. We have this talk with them about kind of our expectations of how they're going to behave in this next, you know, phase of the day or this next activity that we're going to do. I'll say things with them like, hey, please behave yourselves. Remember, this is not our home and you don't have the freedom just to kind of do whatever you want here when you're here. And listen to me right away. When I tell you something to do, you know, just go ahead and do it. And I don't want to have to ask you multiple times to do it. Just do it right then and there. And then the kind of the list goes on and on, whether it's, you know, pertaining to that particular environment or, or not. And it usually ends with something like this. I want you guys to be respectful and please don't get crazy. And, and then I'll ask him the question, do you understand? And I'll say like, look me in the eyes and tell me that you understand this. And then I'm hoping that they give me a head nod or a verbal, yes, I understand this. And so to kind of kind of go a little bit deeper. Sometime last year, uh, my kiddos and I made a visit to my grandmother who is 90 years old. She's an incredible grandmother and I have a great, great relationship with her. And I'm so excited that my kids get to experience how really wonderful she is. And so as we were on our way to her house and as we got closer, I started to give them the rundown of how I expected them to behave while they were at grandma's house. And I finished it up with, do you understand what is expected of you when we're here today? And I'm, I'm sure at that point in time, I can't remember how they responded, but hopefully it was, yes, we, we understand that. And so we get there and we go through our initial greetings. We sit down and kind of catch up a bit on life and, and talk through, through some things. And everything really is going well for the most part. Like my kids are behaving. They're not interrupting. You know, it's, it's, it's been a great visit so far. However, there's like all of a sudden there's this shift in how things were going. And what's funny is you would think that this would have come from a change in behaviors in my kids, like that they were getting bored or something and then they just started acting out. But actually it was from my grandma. Now, my grandma has always been just kind of a bit ornery. And that is actually one of the reasons why I love her so much. She's so much fun to be around. And keep in mind that she just celebrated her 90th birthday. So all was going well, and Grandma proceeds to ask the kids if they would like some balloons. And of course, they're like, yes, I would like some balloons, you know, kind of keep them entertained while they're sitting there. And also keep in mind that I despise balloons. So I'm like trying to kind of talk my kids out of it and that they're just it's just going to be a complete distraction. The next thing I know, my Grandma stands up and she disappears into one of her back rooms and then a few minutes later, she reappears peers wearing like this tiara and a sash that she received during her birthday, 90th birthday party. And she's got this handful of balloons that she just kind of hands over to my kiddos. And 
before you know it, one thing leads to the next and she actually ends up like dancing like this crazy dance at one point in time. And just my, my son is just laughing hysterically and she's keep in mind, she's wearing this tiara and the sash and she's starting to, and then she shows like my kids how to do these like silly noises with the balloons. And my kids thought that this was just like hysterical and they made like these ridiculous noises literally from the time we got in the car all the way back home again for like a 20 minute drive. I just kept on hearing those balloon noises. And here I thought all along it was going to be my kids being the ones who are misbehaving, but it actually ended up being my, my ornery grandmother. And I share all of this kind of as a setup for what we're going to cover in the scriptures today. And we must remember that when we read the scriptures, although our modern day version Bible has section breaks and has chapters, the original writings that even Moses was writing down is all a continuation, always a thought from the previous thought. And so ours looks a little bit like that today, that it's a continuation from what Moses is saying in, in the prior verses and chapters. And so similar, similarly to what I do with my kids every time we visit somewhere, Moses in this moment is commanding the Israelites, or has been given the command to prepare the Israelites for the promised land as they're getting ready to go into the promised land. God has ordered him to do this and giving them really some major commands that were incredibly valuable to them as they journey farther and farther into the promised land and follow God into this new season of their lives. And you'll discover much later on that Israel, almost immediately as they start to enter into the promised land, they just start walking in disobedience. So this pep talk that Moses is giving them, this laying out of the foundations and the expectations of what God wants for them in this new land was needed really badly because they were very prone to wander away from the ways of God. And in the chapters and verses prior to ours today, I'm sure you heard that the other, other pastors, as they are kind of breaking it down, talking through the commands that Moses really has started to introduce and give to them. God gives the command today, you know, to kind of not only just illustrate the important things that he values in the relationship with him, but also to show that he is so relational with them. And as we break down our scriptures today, you'll get just a further glimpse into that. He shares with them these expectations, but he also gives his people what they can expect from him and shows that there is a relational side to God, that he isn't just about all these restrictive commands, which oftentimes I'm sure the Israelites could fall into this thought of falling into that thought, and which sometimes we fall into that cycle of thinking that God is just all about these restrictive commands. And so he shows them that he is a personal God, a God who is delivering this message to them out of love, out of compassion, out of a desire for them to experience the best life. And I think for those of us, including myself, who oftentimes do wrestle with the tension of God delivering commands and whether or not I'm able to uphold those and, and just the constant battle of trying to do right for God, I think it's important for us to pay close attention today to what God reveals about himself and how he approaches us and how he loves us with such a great love. 
So as we move into the actual verses that we're looking at today, in verses 32 through 40, he starts to explore this relationship, talking through with them everything that he has accomplished in and through them up to this point in time. And he started that kind of back in verses 29 through 31, where he starts to reveal to them his love for them, his passion for them, and why he wants to redeem them anytime that they fall away and are not following him, but also how he's going to respond if they follow him once again. But starting in verse 32, he starts to remind them of his history with them and how that history is really a confirmation for them, a continual confirmation for them that they can look upon and a reminder of his love and his faithfulness to them. And I would even say it's a unique love, a special love that they have received that not many others have received before them. And he kind of starts off the verses talking about that. Think about all the history that has happened from the beginning to now. Think about every nation that has existed, every man that's existed, and he's just kind of walking them through that process of, of showing them the unique situation that they really find themselves in. And that they have been set apart, really, for God to do something incredible in and through them. And that they get the incredible privilege each and every day of their lives to interact with the Creator God. And here are some of the powerful things that he kind of talks them through and reminds them of. First and foremost, he tells them that they are a nation, nation that has been closer to God than anyone else, as we kind of pinpointed out so far. A nation that has been shown incredible favor, mercy, deliverance, even a very powerful deliverance from the hand of their enemies, uh, from slavery that they experienced in Egypt. And the greatest of all is that they have gotten to hear the very voice of God. And what a special privilege that really is when we really pause and think about that type of relationship, to hear the voice of the Creator God speaking directly to us. I know that's all of our hearts and desires of as we pursue God. And so they uniquely got to experience that, and even in a powerful way. Um, as he demonstrates, as he talks about how he talked through them with fire and as he talked through Moses. And he says something that, to them in verse 35 that is interesting and I think absolutely profound. He says kind of in my loose translation, I have shown you these things so that you might know that I am real, that I am who I say I am, and I am the one real true God, the God over all. And this matters because they were surrounded, even in Egypt, by so many other nations who claimed to have multiple gods, believe in multiple gods who were intervening for them on their, their behalf. And furthermore, they were going to be going into a promised land to acquire land from many nations who claim that there was, once again, multiple gods. And he never wanted them to forget that he was it that there were no other gods beside him, and that he was, in fact, the one true God who was interacting with them. And another key reminder that he says that I think is powerful for us to remember is that he has already, just even a few you know, moments prior to this, delivered them from the hand of, of nations, that he has shown them that his power and his abilities are greater than anything, and that they aren't 
doing this or achieving these things on their own power. It is God who is delivering them. It is God who is providing a way. It isn't by their own power or abilities. And then finally, landing in verse 40 with, if I have shown you all of this, clearly I am a God who is worth following, a God who is worth listening to. So as I spell out for you these important commandments and and what life is going to look like when you follow within those commandments and as you pursue me and remain in relationship with me, I am a God who's going to take care of you along the way. Each and every you know, thing that you come across, every hurdle that you experience, every relational tension that you experience, know that I'm there and I'm present and I want to show you the best way because I want to provide for you as a loving Heavenly Father. And then we see kind of in verses 41 through 43 that Moses pivots back again to establishing some statutes or talking through with them some things that he set aside. Once again, just kind of showing the the detail that God has gone into to care for their lives. And he talks specifically about these cities of refuge. And you'll hear this in other scriptures if you read in the book of Numbers. Sometimes you'll hear it in other you know, scriptures that lay out the laws that, that God has established these cities of refuge. And as we read, these cities are specifically provided to protect those who have accidentally or unintentionally killed somebody else. Uh, he, I think they reference it as neighbor in, in the scriptures. And this really was to protect them against retribution. So if they by chance killed somebody, there wasn't any kind of somebody getting back at them for, for accidentally doing that harm. And so they could flee to these cities and they could actually, once they got there, um, go through a trial process that would determine if they were in fact innocent. And if found innocent, they would be kind of protected, whether it was in that city or as they went back to their land, they'd be protected or under guard so that they would not be harmed for this accidental death that they that they did. And then we kind of finish out in verses 44 through 49 uh, Moses just kind of narrating kind of biographically the details of the where and the how and the when that this all took place. And as we do with all of our historical facts, as we gather them together, it's important that they're written down and that they're documented to kind of validate the, the, that it actually happened, but also that it can be a, a key tool in passing along the information to future generations as they're kind of processing th through it. And so Moses just kind of takes a, a good glance at it and says, this is when it happened, this is how it happened, and, and this is where it happened. And so that kind of finishes out our scriptures for the day. But the Verses, or the excuse me, the verses and the studies that follow are going to be some key ones that we'll want to pay close attention to. They're going to be some of the most popular scriptures, really, that I would say ever. The Ten Commandments that that we often hear about, that we often see, you know, in our own lives and try and apply in our own lives. And it was important for the Israelites back then, but it's also very important for us today. So I hope that you can kind of tune in for for some of those scriptures from the other teaching pastors as we move forward in the book of Deuteronomy. One final thing I just kind of want to leave you with today is an application point that I think is important. And I think what we can take from our scriptures today is that it's essential for all of us to kind of frequently pause and remember all the ways that God has revealed himself to us. It's not just important for Israel back then to understand all that God has done for them. It's, it's just as important for us today to reflect and to remain focused on how God has saved us, 
how he has been merciful to us, not just one time, but repeatedly in our lives as we've sinned against him, how he's been faithful to provide for us, and how it's important for us to remain faithful to him in return, and that he will be the one who remains true to us, the one true God that we can trust in in our lives, and that he calls us to follow him. And this is just really for all of us such a great exercise to do on a regular basis of just remembering him, thanking him, and reflecting on how he has been so historically just very in tune with our lives and and very much on our side and, and for our favor. So let's pray about that and just kind of let that be the final focus for our Bible study today. God, we are so grateful. We look at the history of Israel and we look specifically at how you have shown them such great favor, how you even spelled out through the words of Moses, just this powerful truth that they are uniquely loved. And we get to experience that same thing too. When we place our faith in you, we uniquely get to experience the power and the love of the Creator God in our lives. And I pray for each and every individual who's listening today, who's listening in the future, that they will understand that God, you are present in their lives, and that the same God who was able to work these incredible things in the lives of the Israelites is still present in our lives today and still fully engaging us. Lord, help us to have these moments where we do pause. Remind us through your Holy Spirit to pause and reflect and remember your faithfulness, especially when our hearts and minds go astray. God, we love you. We thank you for your word, and we just lift all these things up to you in your mighty and powerful name. Amen. Well, thank you everyone for joining us. We look forward to all the Bible studies that we get to do with you in the future, and we hope that you have a great rest of your day.